This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Monday, September 18th. I'm Gavin McGough. And I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, Harkboard reviews a year of accomplishments. Aging and dogs and hiking, oh my. Mountains to the desert supports the kids. And a mountain weather forecast. But first, Norwood lost a member of its community last week. Alexander Sokolik was found dead in his home on Friday. He was 74 years old. An avid hunter, angler, outdoorsman, and author, the San Miguel County Coroner's Office says Sokolik lived his dream every day in the San Juans. The case is under investigation. Crippen Funeral Home will attend to services. Sokolik is survived by his brother, Paul. Telluride has been experiencing something of a building boom over the past few years, with active construction across town and multiple major housing projects in the pipeline. All of those efforts pass through the historic and architectural review process, which is overseen by the Hark Board and aims to protect the historic character of Telluride. In the past year, 206 projects have been given the Hark seal of approval, which, says Telluride's preservation director, Jonna Wenzel, is about average. In 2021, we had the big surge, as you recall, in development, so that number, um, total number was higher. But in the last couple of years, in the previous years prior to 2020, we generally average around 200 applications per year. Wenzel spoke before town council last week with an annual update on HARC activities. The majority of projects are considered insubstantial. Those are seen by staff and given the seal of approval. Projects with a greater potential impact come before the board in full. Wenzel says HARC reviewed a number of projects over the past year. Which is 71. That's quite a lot. Um, and then I've broken it down by the number of hearings that it takes. And the um, the average is just about a little over one meeting um, per application for minor and small scale applications. And large scale applications are required to have two hearings. And so um, the average is two and a half. So most of them are getting through in two hearings. A couple of them take a third hearing. Of those 71, Wenzel picked out five projects, which she identifies before town council. I list these because these are of um, greater, maybe, interest to the community. Um, These are those that might get noticed more, um, those on Colorado Avenue commercial projects. Those efforts include an expansion to the Roma building in the area of the Ride Lounge patio. They also include a major mixed-use project on South 1st Street across from the transfer warehouse and a three-story structure attached to the new Sheridan Hotel, which is tucked behind the current Telluride outside. That effort will include additional hotel rooms and employee housing. Aside from the normal business of overseeing development applications, Hark has had another ongoing project. We focused on primarily, as you're well aware, um, this past year were the land use code amendments. We had many. Those amendments have addressed the HARC approval process with an eye towards efficiency. They've revised the rules around public notices and postings for development projects, continues Wenzel. And then the last one, um, most recent one, was to approve the amendments that 
affected basements and steep lots and codifying ballot question 300. And as you know, Herc was, was um, intimately involved in all of those revisions. The last regulation more or less brought an end to double basements in Telluride. Next year, HARC plans to clarify and update its design guidelines, which set standards for the look and feel of town development projects. John Fahey grew up hiking. I spent my first 12 years in the northern Adirondack Mountains in New York State, and I was pretty much a free-range child before the term was even adopted. So I've, I've been wandering through woods for a very, very long time. Decades later, he found himself heading towards the woods again. I was getting ready to turn 60 years old, and I was in sort of a pensive mood. And and I was sitting on a bar stool in the town where I live in New Mexico. And and again, I was in a pensive mood and kind of jotting some things down on on a cocktail napkin. And and I wanted to come up with with, with a goal that was attainable, and yet I would feel a sense of accomplishment if I completed it. Fahey decided to hike every day for a year straight. The only rules for this was were that I each hike had to be for a minimum of 60 minutes, although most were much longer, and they had to take place out in the forest. So walking around town did not count. Fahey got up the next day and went on day one of his hike. And I ended up making it 367 straight days because it was a leap year and I ended on the same date that I started. Those 367 days became the subject of his latest book, A Long Tangent, Musings by an Old Man and His Young Dog, Hiking Every Day for a Year. Fahey will be in Telluride this week for a book talk and signing at the Between the Covers bookstore. The book, Fahey says, focuses on two main subjects. First, the experience of getting older. I mean, I'm a baby boomer. We were never, ever supposed to get old. And when turning 60, I came to the stark realization that I have a lot fewer miles ahead of me than I do behind me. The second and intertwined theme of this book is the relationship between a man and his dog. I would say that a quarter to a third of this book is is specifically about the dog. Fahey's pup, Casey, who embarked on the year of hiking, passed away last year. One of the great evolutionary injustices is the, is the lifespan of a dog. Theirs should either be longer or ours should be shorter. Aside from getting older and Casey, Fahey says the book touches on many subjects he'd been dwelling on for years. I, I recollected in this book or amused ab- about the relationship that outdoors people have with their vehicles. Um, it, it's a little bit of uh, a little a little bit of irony how far we are willing to drive to hike or mountain bike or to climb. I mean, we we name our cars and and we have an intimate relationship with our vehicles. There's a chapter about hiking sticks and trekking poles. There's a chapter on trail handles, trail names, which which are becoming more and more dominant on the trail these days. And people adopt the name Windwalker or Aspen Foot or whatever when they're on the trail. So I, I riffed on that for a long time. Finally, musings on New Mexico itself. For anybody who has visited New Mexico, you realize how eccentric the state is. And there are, there are definitely musings upon that eccentricity. New Mexico's got a whole bunch of strange people who have strange, strange perspectives. And, and I would have been remiss had I not integrated that into this manuscript.
Over the course of Fahey's miles and hours on the trail, he says he also mused on his own life. It was probably two-thirds of the way through that I started really thinking about this, was that I had allowed my life to get too heavy. I mean, I looked at myself when I first moved, moved to the mountain time zone at age 20 in 1976. Everything I owned fit in a backpack and a trunk. And, and I lived that way for quite a while. And, and like a lot of people my age, I mean, I now have a couple of vehicles. I have, a, uh, I have a mortgage. I have, you know, I have a lot of grown-up stuff. And I really came to the conclusion, sort of, I'm again, about two-thirds of the way through this year-long process, that I have never really been comfortable living a quote-unquote grown-up life. John Fahey will be in Telluride on Thursday, September 21st for a book talk and signing at the Between the Covers bookstore. The event will begin at 5 p.m. Hop on a bicycle and it can get you from point A to point B. Or it can get you into the wild and beautiful parts of the landscape. Or it can help raise money for a good cause. If it's the mountains to the desert bike ride, it does all three. It's a ride from from Telluride through the San Miguel watershed all the way down to Gateway. And the purpose of the ride is to um, celebrate physical fitness, celebrate the youth in our region, and doing that by raising funds for Just for Kids Foundation. That's Eric Felanius, founder of Mountains to the Desert Ride. The Just for Kids Foundation provides grant funding for organizations and individuals that enrich the lives of children in the San Miguel watershed. The ride starts in Telluride. The first 30 miles is an unbelievably fast uh, downhill ride to the bottom of the Norwood Bridge. From there, Norwood Hill looms ahead. And it's interesting because it's, it's really not that bad of a climb. Um, it's only two miles, but you see the whole hill in front of you, which is just a little ominous when you come around the corner. Bikers then headlong rights Mesa from Norwood to Natarita, past the Hanging Flume. And then you enter the Red Canyon country um, to the west. And if, if you haven't been there, it's absolutely stunning. No matter how you travel through that country, it's, it's absolutely beautiful. And then you end up in Gateway, which is completely unique. Pete Johnson, a board member with Just for Kids and Mountains to the Desert, remembers his first time on the ride. While the goal is to support young people, that first year was a big milestone for him too. I had a health event where um, I ended up losing my balance nerve. So I, I, I tried to get on my bike and I rode about 20 feet, fell over, cried like a baby. And um, shortly thereafter was at a friend's house and they said, let's do the Mountains to Desert. And I thought, well, how far is it? 100 miles. I said, there's no way. I can't ride 20 feet. There's no way. And so I processed that and, um, and, and felt it, you know, I felt like in some ways it was cruel and then inspiring at the same time. And then I decided to embrace that goal and ride a little bit at a time. Um, my, my wife had bought me a road bike. And um, over time, I, you know, I got to a few miles and then 10 and 20, 30 and 40 and then and then I did the 100. It was an emotional experience. I'd never ridden 100 miles. The most I'd ever ridden was 40. And um, I got to 70 miles, and I was, I was alone at that point. And, um, yeah, tears, tears of joy, tears of gratitude. Um, and also seeing the kids along the side of the road ringing their little cowbells um, and then the interaction with the people all the way down through Nucla and um, 
Norwood um, at the aid stations and get, getting to know those folks. And their gratitude that it, they expressed for the money and resources to help their kids was pretty overwhelming. While not experiencing the same journey to recovery, Philanius shares that sense of awe that comes from hopping on a bicycle. When you head out on a bicycle, there, and it doesn't matter whether you're mountain biking or gravel riding or on the road, there is a freedom to it and sort of a meditative state that you, you go into. And, and I know that's true uh, for running as well. You have a cycling high just like you have a, a runner's high. And especially when you go out on a long ride, um, because it's multiple hours, it, there's a, a freedom attached to cycling that's just so unusual. Johnson says the ride truly brings together every stage of life. It's just ironic. It's all about the kids. It's not about me, but it's it's just interesting how when you um, raise money for kids and you do things for others, how sometimes that's the best gift to ourselves. The 20th annual Mountain to the Desert bike ride will take place on Saturday, September 23rd with a 103-mile ride from Telluride to Gateway. Registration is available at m2dclassic.com. The ongoing construction on the Voodoo Affordable Housing Project, located west of the Telluride Post Office, will close Pacific Avenue between Spruce Street and Willow Street beginning this week. The closure, which began today, Monday the 18th, will continue for roughly 10 days, with an estimated reopening of the road on Friday, September 30th. The closure is intermittent. Periods of one-way traffic can be expected, but the town of Telluride, which is overseeing the affordable housing project, encourages anyone wishing to access the area, the post office, or the Pacific Avenue entrance to Town Park, do so on foot. Construction on the Voodoo lot has been ongoing for almost a year and has roughly a year to go. The affordable housing project has a planned completion date next September. Poetry and storytelling can make fertile ground for community building and creating a sense of collective well-being. Well, Fertile is the title of artist and editor Sonia Horoshko's latest anthology of Southwestern poetry and prose. Horoshko will be the featured poet of the latest Stories and Poems event. Held monthly at the Lone Cone Library in Norwood, the evening provides a platform for a selected poet to give a reading, followed by opportunity for all in attendance to share whatever poem, song, story, or offering they'd like to bring. Horoshko brings to the event experiences from her career as a journalist in the Four Corners region, covering the affairs of the Navajo Nation, as well as a lifelong visual art practice. Stories and poems will take place at the Norwood Library on Wednesday, September 20th. The event begins at 7.30 p.m. After a wet start to the summer, some drought conditions are starting to creep back into parts of Colorado. KUNC's Alex Hager has the latest. For just a few weeks this July, Colorado was completely drought-free for the first time in four years. But the effects of a snowy winter and a wet spring have worn off, and portions of southwest Colorado are drying out. The Front Range and Eastern Plains remain in good shape. Becky Bollinger is the assistant state climatologist. At this point, where we're at doesn't give me a lot of concern, um, and you know, it's more just what can we expect um, as we go through the fall and go into the winter. 
Bollinger says it's hard to predict exactly what comes next, but the arrival of El Nino this year means a higher likelihood of a wetter, warmer winter in the mountains. I'm Alex Hager. New Mexico's attorney general is opening an investigation into whether one of the state school districts disproportionately punishes Native American students. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Clark Adamitis of KSUT and KSJD has more. Last December, ProPublica and New Mexico In-Depth published an investigation of public schools in New Mexico, showing that Native American students are expelled at much higher rates. The reporting said Gallup-McKinley County schools were primarily to blame. According to the report, Gallup-McKinley has the largest Native American student population in any public school system in the U.S. The report showed that students enrolled in that school district are 10 times more likely to be expelled than public school students across New Mexico. Last week, New Mexico Attorney General Raul Torres said he would investigate the high rate of expulsions at Gallup-McKinley. He also vowed to look into how often the district refers students to law enforcement. Torres hasn't formally launched an investigation yet. For KSUT and KSJD, I'm Clark Adamitis. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for a chance of rain tonight with cloudy skies in a low near 40 degrees. Tuesday brings mostly sunny skies with a high near 60 degrees and a 30% chance of afternoon showers, followed by a mostly clear night with a low near 40. Wednesday, expect sun in a high near 65 degrees. Wednesday night should be partly cloudy with a low in the mid 40s and a slight chance of showers. This has been the news for Monday, September 18th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206.